Justin Peterson. And I'm Brian Lee. Welcome to the Voice Culture Podcast, where we traverse the rich historical legacy of voice training from the greatest minds and teachers of the art. Each episode features lively conversation, fascinating historical insights, and practical application for today's singer. And a gracious good evening to you, Justin. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good. Very well. Good, good. You know what? I have to tell you a funny story before we get started. Yeah. I, I am always... One of the things about reading a lot of pedagogy books, like a weirdo, um, <laughs> uh, you start to, to see um, ideas get reintroduced yeah. in the modern time as if they were just created yesterday. Uh-huh. And I just think that always cracks me up. Like, yeah. I always get a crack out of this, uh, oh my gosh, you guys, I found this magical exercise. And then I'm like, yo, I got a text here from 1925 that's like <laughs> doing the exact same thing. Like, yeah. It just cracks me up because then people, what people do socially is the person who says that they came up with that idea, they will socially sort of fawn over that person. Like, oh my God, you're brilliant. You're so brilliant. Yeah. You came up with this thing. Yeah. And I'm like, no, l guys, y'all, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Somebody else came up with it. So this is like why I think science or math or whatever, they sort of have to know what's come before. You know, when you're writing stuff. Yeah. You know, if you want to make a contribution in, 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 um, in the sciences or in the mathematics fields, you kind of have to know what's been figured out already. Yeah. And if, you're, if your material or your, your hypothesis or your whatever is, this, is something that somebody found, you know, 100 or 200 years ago, you can't pass it off as it your own. Right. It's not, your, it's not your idea. I mean, you, we just rediscovered it and you said, oh my gosh, this is the idea. Da, 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 da. I'm like, well, yes, but please tell me why this person writing this book in 1800s was doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I just, think it's, I just think it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I've run into that from time to time too, you know. Like, look at this thing I made. I'm like, you didn't make nothing. I made this. You're a slapdash mix of all of these other things. Come on now. You're a jambalaya. What is that? Uh, what a gumbo. Gumbo, mix of, yeah. Of, of like all these other things. Now, come on. Jumbo come on gumbo. Now. Yeah. Like, come on now. Come on. We see you. We see you. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Like, yeah. Social media is a very funny world where people like say, oh, I found this really cool exercise. I'm like, yeah, so did I. From 1925. Yeah. 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 So anyway, well, that being said, we're talking about some something very important to all of us. Yeah. Which is standards. Standards. It's, Brian, if we don't have standards, who's going to have them? Right. Yeah. Got to got to have standards. Standards. So and we're not talking like American Songbook here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about like Hoagie Carmichael. Right. That's not happening. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Way, ways to measure success. How, how is yeah. that done? You know, um, this, I, I did this big project a couple years ago. Jeez, it was three years ago now. Um, I, w that turned into a poster session for the Las Vegas Nats convention. Um, and I called it self-assessment protocol for singers. Mm. And that was an attempt to try to put, in order in my brain, how to evaluate vocal technique, you know, and how to help. At that time, the book I was working on had a lot to do with 
how to figure out if you're getting good training or not, mm-hmm. you know, how to sort of, um, pick a good teacher and then decide if you're making progress once you've started mm-hmm. and how to help your own progress along more. And so, um, that self-assessment thing had to do with figuring out a standard for yourself um, that, that's very personal to you. Um, but, the, you know, there's, there's, there is this idea out there that there are some kind of objective standards mm. that singers can meet through testing and so forth. Um, I'm thinking of like uh, the ABRSM. Oh, yeah. Testing program. Um, I'm not sure exactly how that works. The the thing we get into, the problem is that generally judging singing is really difficult. Yeah. It's um, so objective, everyone says, you know. Right. Subjective. Subjective. It's so subjective. And um, it doesn't necessarily have to be 100% subjective. Well, and also, too, that we are adjudicating a singer's uh, uh, singing based on the standard of that style. Yeah, that really matters. That's a, you know, I mean, we've, you and I have been <laughs> around the barn with people like, you know, classically, indo- you know, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but let's say marinated. <laughs> sure. Classically marinated. And they listen to a person doing another type of, of music vocalism and they think, oh, that's bad. Well, they're comparing it to the standards of classical singing. Yeah. So that's, you know, this is where we get into territory of what I call pedagogical relativism. Yeah. Right. Where, where uh, I'm not a person who thinks like, oh, all singing is good. That's, that's sort of my thing because there are, there's some singing that's not so good mm-hmm. and, and there's some singing that's not so good in all styles of music. Yeah. Right. There's bad opera singing. There's bad jazz singing. There's bad pop singing. There's bad musical theater singing. You know, um, the, I think culturally, for many, 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 many years, the idea was that, well, if you sing classically, that's really good singing. So people would sometimes listen to classical singers who were bad, and because they weren't washed in the, in the blood of, of Mozart, yeah. they, they didn't know how to listen to that kind of singing and adjudicate it as good or bad. So they were like, well, I don't know if it's good or bad because I don't know anything about classical music, right? Right. So there's this inferred, like, oh, it's better because... And I'm like, well, maybe not, though, because if the singing is poor, it doesn't matter what you're singing. Yeah. At the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think we have to get away from, you know, there is health. There are there are better ways to sing certain styles of music than there are others. Sure. Yeah. And I think pedagog- we have to be very careful about pedagogical relativism. You know, otherwise it just becomes anarchy. Mm-hmm. And then we have no standards mm-hmm. for adjudicating anything good. Well, well, that's just what they do. I'm like, well but surely there's ways that we as a profession should have standards. Yeah. Well, when you're, um, I know you prepare a lot of young people for musical theater auditions, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. For, for musical theater college programs. Yeah. Um, do you also like adjudicate auditions involving those people or, or people in that cohort? So yes, for Nats. Mm-hmm. When okay. there's a Nats competition and I need to, you know, help with that, I'll sure. absolutely do that for high school kids. Uh-huh. Or um, we will also, too, as part of our uh, work with MCA, we'll do uh, mock auditions. 
and we'll we'll step in. But now Great. here's the thing: okay. I have to be very careful about. I have to be very careful because I'm in the capacity of a coach, and mm-hmm. I know everybody and their brother has different words for these things. But here's how I define what I think a vocal coach is: mm-hmm. a vocal coach is someone who is going to help you learn your rhythms, learn your notes, learn where the breathing locations are, learn how best to set up a phrase, mm-hmm. learn how best to set a tempo, learn how to, um, you know to handle anything that comes into the realm of music. So I'm a music director. I think mm-hmm. a vocal coach is a kind of a music director. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, and yeah. a vocal pedagogical teacher, a voice teacher is someone who's going to teach you how to get the song into your voice in a way that works best for the instrument. Yeah. But as a but as a coach, I don't dabble in their technique. And I mm-hmm. tell them that in the first session. I say mm-hmm. I'm not touching your voice. You know, that's your voice teacher's job, unless you don't have a voice teacher. And many of these students don't have voice teachers yeah. that want to go to college for musical theater, which I think there is a unserved community of young talent that is not getting vocal instruction teachers, and we have to figure out how to fix that. Yeah. Because these singers need help and training for what they're doing, just the same way as an athlete would, would get training or help to go play college athletics. Absolutely. Um, so... I don't dabble in that. And when we do adjudication, it's usually in terms of musical uh, judgment, right? Okay, you're, you're so... Clipping, you're clipping the note or you're holding too long or that vowel is funky mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, things like that. Musical elements is, mm-hmm. is a big part of what you're checking yeah, for. absolutely. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, too, that they match the style. Because this is a thing in musical theater, and this happens a lot at competitions. And one of the things why, uh, uh, you know, if you have a classical... Let's say you come from a classical background and you're not really familiar with a particular song. You may not know that that song is sung in a more chesty, registrated mix. Mm-hmm. So if a, if a student goes into head, they're not really singing the, song, the composition as the composer intended it, especially if it's a com- composition that's recent. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit more leeway in the older stuff. You can get a little bit you know, more creative in that area. Mm-hmm. But I think when we're talking about the, the, the new stuff, it, it isn't doing the music service if pitches are supposed to be more chest oriented if you go into head voice then i feel like well if if the stinger can't do that can we get him another song yeah right so so there is that and so when i do the mca stuff i do try to think about the registrational balance of their voice and what they can do best at that time mm-hmm. you know and a lot of a lot of kids will come and say well i can't belt i can't you know whatever i'm like great i don't care and i don't think the schools care either no i mean and yeah. the thing is there, there there's so much uh broad brush strokes uh, yeah. in coaching from the voice teacher's perspective, the voice teachers who, who aren't experts in musical theater per se, like um, there's this idea that all modern stuff is pop belt. But if you have someone who who's not really accomplished as a belter yet, there are heady songs from newer sure. shows. Sure. That's possible. There, you'll, you, you have to look. Yeah. You have to look, but yeah. they're there. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're there. Yeah. And, and then you can nail that style from that show. Um, sure. Whereas maybe you're not ready for some other styles that are even in the same show. Well, I think the, the I mean, I know we're, we're going weeds off, off into the weeds here, but, um, you know, the idea of showing yourself at your best and what you do best. Mm-hmm. I, tell, I tell the students, you know, with this audition process, you're auditioning to be yourself. You're not auditioning for a part in a play. Yeah. And, and so when we think about standards in terms of what they're doing, we want them to have the best that they can do in whatever they're technically capable of doing. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to give them a neurosis and be like, "Oh, well, you can't belt. Good luck getting into this school." Right? Like that's not <laughs> that doesn't serve anybody. Yeah. Um, so it's just uh, making them as best as they can be. But um, 
But understanding the, the, the scope of musical theater, I think is very important and understand how it developed. And, and to be able to understand how voice emission changed even in musical theater. This is why I think it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that vocal, vocal style in, in classical singing could change vastly over the scope of uh, you know several hundred years. We have Broadway on record. Yeah. We can go back to the 1930s and hear Broadway singers and how they sounded in 1930 as opposed to 2017. At the birth of the musical theater age. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. From its inception. Mm -hmm. And so you're hearing a lot of different types of vocalism mm -hmm. uh, on, on the Broadway stage from yes, indeed. the 30s up to the present. So it's a mixed bag of stuff. So if you when you're adjudicating, let's say you're having the mock auditions, uh -huh. maybe that would be a time. And you hear someone who you're pretty sure is singing inappropriate repertoire in terms of it's not a good matchup to what they do best. So, so, so in your head, you're applying a standard mm -hmm. in a way of, of uh, this person is not quite making it with this yeah. piece. Yeah. So how do you convey that to the student? How do you tell them they're not up to a standard when it comes to they've picked a flat out wrong song to sing? Yeah. Well, it depends on what, it, uh, what, how I'm adjudicating that particular song. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the thing I have found that's very different from the classical world is classical world is so in, in, intuited into the tone, the, the, the musicality, the da -da 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 -da, you know, all of the fine nuances of, of the music. That's so valuable in classical singing. Mm -hmm. Whereas in musical theater, they are there, but to the extent that there's more wiggle room. Yes. Right? So I... I the totality of the performance is really the thing that we're looking for in that in that mock audition. Mm -hmm. And by the time that they've come into that situation, they've already been coached. They've already been, you know, they shouldn't really be at that stage with a bad song. Okay. They shouldn't be getting to that mock audition place with a bum song. Really, we, we really want to get them early on so that they don't have uh, uh, anything, you know, potentially trip them up. So in your coachings, uh, let's say you have a new coachee coming in and you're just starting to work with them, yeah. and they need a lot of guidance. Uh, they may be someone who ends up doing really well, but yeah. they come in with like a really poor selection of songs, or they don't seem to have any clues about the style. Yes. Uh, how, how do you convey standards to that person who, for whom, like they've always been, say, uh, big fish in their, in their little pond, and yeah. now they want to do something like audition for Carnegie Mellon <laughs> right, right you know and how, how do you convey like when there's this huge gap how do we tell students the best way about what the standard is and what they need to do to get there that's that's yeah. sort of a thing that I'm always asking myself when someone comes in and says how am I doing or I have this goal or you know yeah. and, and and it's like um, I try never to say that's impossible for you Right. For, or right. forget it, or right. you're really far off track. I, right. I never phrase things that way. Right. But I try to. Um, actually, there's a there is a uh, career musical career coach who's also a mezzo named uh, Cindy Sadler. Oh yes, Cindy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And she has a really great way of putting it. And she she lays it all out about okay, if if this is your goal and you're clear on your goal. Here is what you need to be able to do, right? In order to accomplish that right. goal, right? And and here here is what you are not yet able to do, right? So so these are the 
th- the things you have to work on to get there. And, yeah. you know, some people who have big deficits are amazing workers or work plus talent or they mm. get the right teacher. And they sometimes they can go from A to Z in a short time. Yeah. And then yeah. other people are going to have to work over a longer haul. But it's not up to me, the first meeting with a student, to tell them, that it's impossible. No. But I try to tell them how it could be possible. Right. You know. So well, and they surprise you. I mean, I, I yes. come back, you know, I talk about Uta Hagen. Here's her, her, here's my Hagen story. Yep. You know, she would always say she never knew. She would always be surprised by who would, who would, who would get it. Yeah. Like she'd have a student who would just be slow, 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 slow. And then suddenly everything like tumblers would fall. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, and then they got it. And she was like, oh my God. She's like, they, they get it. They, there it is. The That's light it. went on. The light went on and yeah. someone was home. And then some people who get it and then they just kind of, eh, they just kind of, you know, yeah. go away. So there's no, there's no crystal ball for us as teachers. Yeah. None for mm-hmm. us to say, oh, well, here's your destiny. Here's how it's going to work out. So I don't even play those games. Good. Because yeah. I'm not in that. I'm not in the fortune telling <laughs> game. I don't play fortunes and I don't play with people's, uh, you know, uh, dreams like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, first of all, too, most of the kids that I'm working with are going to college. They're not going to Broadway. Right. You know, yeah. I'm going to be a very different teacher than if I was saying, OK, we have we have eight months to get you ready for a Broadway show. <laughs> yeah, that's a different animal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, th- you know, I, I think there's an acceptance of where they're at, whereas, you know, the person who's auditioning for equity roles on Broadway, they got to be ready to go. Yeah. There is no, uh, you know, oh, 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 I need more time to study. I'm like, you got to be ready to go and do your thing and get in the game and play. Because, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that, otherwise you don't get the job. Yeah. So standards, communicating standards, I think, comes from, from me as a, as a teacher of young uh, musical theater singers. They need to know the musical theater canon. Yeah. Uh, I get real, I guess that's my classical training there. But I'm like, you need to know Gypsy. You need to know Mame. You need to know Bye Bye Birdie. And have those sounds in your ear. Yeah. And hear what those sounds are. Well, in musical theater now, I mean, compared to when I was a babe decades ago, there's a lot of sounds to be responsible for now. Not necessarily that one person is supposed to be able to sing everything, but you need to recognize it and know it so that you know where your wheelhouse is. Yes. It's it's really, it's such a huge... Every every musical theater actor cannot go out for every show. It, no, that, totally. It, that's just not possible. No, I have friends in New York that are more classical in their vocalism, and they have, you know, a dear friend of mine, uh, you know, she says, I can't do those things <laughs> in an <laughs> audition. I mean, I can mix really great, but, you know, they, they some auditions she's been in where they're like, yeah, well, like, can you just like yell it? Can you just belt, like, belt it? And they really, I mean, very high pitches, and they just want to hear her kind of just open up her voice and just, you know, yeah yeah yell um and And some people can do it but yeah uh and and those people will be hired right right and well uh, and i you know as a teacher of course i'm always like well let's try to get you to do as many things as we can get you to do sure and here's the thing that i think that's a very important thing which nobody talks about and i'm going to talk about it i think it's really important that we train voices so that the person likes their voice oh god yes yeah. Jesus. There's nothing worse. Yeah. Like the person who's disassociated from their own voice and they're uh-huh. like, okay, they're physically doing whatever and they just don't like the sound. And then the, the only uh-huh. way they're going to get anywhere is by this kind of bulldozer domination, you know, right. the, the, the sheer grit and willpower. Um, whereas there are some amazing 
performers out there who are actually kind of introverted people. Yeah. But they really dig what they're doing. They and they they like they like their voice. They like the process. They, you know, they're 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 happy with that part of themselves, and and they know that 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 should be out in the world. Yes. It, it's a very different paradigm from from you know sheer force but yes you know it's uh um i'm always trying to cultivate that i mean i'm i'm uh awfully uh encouraging about um vocal acceptance you know yeah you know that i I really try to try to push that as much as i can i poker face sometimes you know like i'm yeah. sure that i never wince at so- something right. someone does you know right right um when when we know when we know something is kind of right. not so hot and, and that's where our job as teachers is to use language that is non-emotional yeah right like i had a student today who was been a long-term student and what's happening up and around the area of b4 b flat 4 c5 okay mm-hmm. so upper end of that middle range there mm-hmm. is beginning to sag and pitch okay mm-hmm. now my my work was to bring the upper register down through those pitches more okay because mm-hmm. the flattening of the pitch to me was an imbalance in what was going on in the folds sure that there was a the, the mass that was required for the folds to vibrate at that pitch was too great and so it was pulling the the pitch flat mm-hmm. um but i didn't need to say to her you're flat yeah right well, I mean, I could as a shorthand, mm-hmm. but I might say, hey, you know what? I need, I'm going to go above here and I want to I find this feeling and I want to bring this down. And, and I want to see, because I said, maybe we're having some tuning issues here in mm-hmm. this part of the voice. And so let's go in here and look at that. Mm-hmm. Rather than, oh, this flat, this is flat. You're going flat here, you're flat. It's like, well, that doesn't give the student a way out. Right. It just tells them what they're doing wrong. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm great. I'm flat. Now what? Fix mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How mm-hmm. do I fix it? How do I make it better? And then I'm like, okay, well, that's my job. But um, being able to, to gently, not even gently, just matter-of-factly say, hey, this is what I'm hearing. This is what's going on. It's not about you. You're not making them, you know, you're not saying, oh, your character is terrible. You're a terrible person. You can't do this. Oh, you're awful. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I'm just saying, hey, this isn't working right now in your body. Let's see if we can get this to work better. And, uh, and let's try some stuff here and go along with me. And you ready? And are you game? Let's do it. Okay. So. Yeah. But um, standards, you know, um, I always, for my youngest female singers in musical theater, I always remind them about Lindsay Mendez. Lindsay Mendez is a fantastic um, Broadway performer, uh, sings really, you know, great, heavy, chesty stuff, fantastic. She's like a great alphabet. That's like, you know, her, her bag. She's, she's wicked good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's my boss. That, that's my, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my Boston and my musical theater coming out there. Um, no, but she won her Tony for singing uh, Carrie Pepperidge in Carousel. Mm-hmm. And I think, I've never heard anybody say this, but I, I personally believe that it was because she was willing to really radically change how she sang and the standards that she was using to vocal to make vocal sound mm-hmm. in a more head-registrated place yeah. that was not her brand per se. But when she did that, it was like, wow, good for, that's, that to me is, is commendable. I mean, like, yeah, give her a Tony. Yeah. Because you know, it's not just about, it's not just that, she did the characterization. She changed her voice. She mm-hmm. changed how she sang for that part. So, you know, I always tell my big lady belters, I'm like, y'all, 
Lindsay Mendez got her Tony from singing in her head voice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like that's what got her her Tony. Um, of course, I'm not. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but the bravery of, for a Broadway performer who's like known for those types of roles to switch like that. And yeah. I mean, that's great. That's that's great. And she understood um, what the standards were. You know? Right. She because right. once in a while they'll cast some star in a right. TV in a person part. Yeah. Right. And then then they'll they'll change the the. Well, they'll change the score to accommodate them. I right, think of right. uh, Cheryl Ladd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. C- Carrie Underwood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, who's a great singer, but but um, you know maybe not in Golden Age musical theater. Right. Right. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right, um, right. But uh, you know, and it's for us as teachers to be able to go, okay, you know, the holism of here it is, the holism of the style. Versus the disjunct, no, no, take that back, rewind. The holism of the voice and the person mm-hmm. and the disjunctedness of the style. Dis- what do you mean by that last so, part? Tell me so, more. So no style accepts all of the voice usually as it is. All the things <sighs> the voice can do. Okay, I see where you're going. You know, there's a family of sounds that mm-hmm. are that are uh, endemic to each style of music. Yes. That in one style would be wrong or bad or not stylistically correct or whatever. Yep. But I don't think there's any one style, maybe I'm wrong, that that ca- encapsulates all of the things. So, um that's that's always the balance. Mm-hmm. The holism of the voice and the functioning of all of the things the voice can do. Right. And then the demands of the style and the demands of the style. Mhm. Yeah. That they can that they can be that can be, they can be attained. Right. Right. Well, oh, yeah. That gets into a really cool area of that I've heard Jeannie Lovetri talk about. I've heard Mary Saunders Barton talk about, which has to do with, okay, you're singing a show or a role mm-hmm. that has, uh, you know, that subset of sounds that the voice can make, and you have to be able to do those really well. But probably in your personal practice, in your warm-up, in your cool-downs, Right. somewhere you need to make sure that your whole voice, yeah. you know, is exercised, is stretched, is, is allowed to, um, you know, it, it would calibrate, be, calibrate, calibrate. Yeah. 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 I mean, another thing is like, okay, you've got your six month contract for whatever show, let's say <laughs> heavy belt death show. Right. But then maybe after that's over, you're like, Oh my gosh, I just got hired to do a pre 65 golden age show. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to calibrate back over to that other show to be able to do that. Yeah, you can't bring your. In other words, you can't bring your rent voice into Fiorello. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta switch it up. So this, but this is the thing Richard Miller used to always talk about in his texts about vocalization, where he'd say, you know, no opera touches everything the voice can do. Right. No art song recital can touch everything the voice can do. Right. So that's why the vocalization of this for the singer is to do all the things in all parts of the voice to keep the voice balanced. Even if you're doing an opera that doesn't feature those things, you still should do them. Yes. To keep the voice limbered up and, 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 and flexible. Right. You know, I always laugh about Birgit Nilsson. She always said, Oh, the more I got warmed up though, I could sing the queen of the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, get it on girl. Yeah. That so, was a uh, you know, party trick. Yeah. That was her little thing. Yeah. She'd do it too, man. Yeah. She'd do it. So I just think that's great. But, um, the thing about standards is, is that they can be so emotional and we can look at them from such an emotional perspective, right? Mm. Like, cause it, mm-hmm. then we tip into the aesthetic yeah. and, we're, and now we're in, we're getting into more subjective territory. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like we said, one man's tone is another man's mush. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, be- or beautiful tone, I should say, is another man's mush. In, in the sense that we can get our we can get carried away by sounds we like or 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 that somebody does something and that we really like that and so then we try to imitate that like how many people imitate Kristen Chenoweth how many yeah. people imitate Adina Menzel how right. many people imitate uh Judy Garland or whoever i mean those were iconoclastic performers yeah and had their own particular sound mm-hmm. um but then we think oh well that's the that's how you do it right and and uh what I always tell my standard line, especially to the young people, is uh, that's not how they did it. Right. right. <laughs> right. You know, right. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth didn't have a sound alike that she was following. She she yeah. learned how to d- develop her own voice yeah. and and become that icon. Right. And right. Uh, and because it's individual, you see. And this is again the argument of collectivism versus individualism in the arts. Collectivism makes makes it where all everyone meets the same standard, but it's dull as hell. Yeah. Because everybody's the same and you feel like you're sitting in an audition room and every single person that's come in is the exact same copy of the same person who just came in. Yeah. Uh, whereas yeah. individualism is what everybody behind the table wants. They want to see unique perspective. They want to see personality. They want to see insight. Yeah. That's individualism. That's yeah. not collectivism. Yeah. So that's, that's the other thing too. You have to be able to foster what's unique about the person themselves and not have them just be a factory performer with nothing to say. Yeah, because then those performers are are just fixated by what everybody thinks, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like they're always worried about standards. They're always like, "Oh, you know, this is a job. I don't know. If I, know. I, don't know. I don't know." So there's just a perpetual anxiety yeah. because they're always trying to to please. Whereas I feel like the individual singer is like, "This is what I do. This is what I'm good at. And if you don't like me, bye. Mm-hmm. I can. I'll deal. And I'll, I'll see you later." That is so so hard for a young person. Oh God! You know, and we you, tell it to them all the time. Like, yeah, be, your, be yourself. Do you know how hard that is? Gee, oh yeah, it's very hard. I mean, you know, especially if you don't know who yourself is yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, because we we learn so much as babies. You know, it's all imitation at first. Yeah. You know, I mean, we learn how to talk by imitating people, but by the time we're Twelve, we have a voice that's unique to anyone on the planet. It's right. uh, that's pretty organic, but boy, I feel like sometimes performers uh, who go through certain training mills are held back from that. Yeah. And and yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, you, you, you well, you, and that's I think why musical theater per- <laughs> musical theater performers. Here's the thing about musical theater performers, and I would probably say maybe even an opera in its in its sort of heyday. It's about also to the personality. The temperament mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the person. Carol Channing, ah, no yeah. one's going to be like, oh my God, please sing, you know, Doretta's aria from La, La Rondine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. she's, that's not her bag, yeah. you know? Uh, but you wouldn't go to a Carol Channing performance to be like, oh, let's savor the beauty of Carol Channing's voice. Right. No, you went to go see Carol Channing as a person and then her insights and her, her personality and her temperament and her humor. And that was what made her her, you know? Yeah. Same with Ethel Merman. Yeah, the, the voice was great. But it was very individual. It was a. It was as indiv- uh, um, Barbara Cook. I'm just like name a name. Like any of right. these Broadway stars. Yeah. Were individuals. They're into Ellen Green, my favorite. Like they're individuals. They're they're not. They're not a, a, a robot. Mm-hmm. You know that that does all the things. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, I think anybody who likes somebody in the arts, if you like an artist, it's the individualism of that artist that we prize. That they're not like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. 
And individualism is probably the scariest thing that person has to do because it's really tempting to want to fit in with the crowd. Right. And that's where these college things can go funky because it's like, well, I need to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, actually you don't. <laughs> like, that's what college is for. That's yeah. What they will teach you how to do those things in yeah. college. Do, but they want to see who you are as a person. You know, you're auditioning to be yourself. So, Well, th that's great. Let, uh, there's a cool segue I'd like to get to. Uh, I'm thinking about um, the yearly Nats auditions, and I'm thinking about college auditions, and I'm thinking about college recital requirements where there have been these standards developed for repertoire that oh, yeah. you, you pick one from column A, one from column B, and one from column C. And if you're a superstar in column B, mm. you're still not allowed to do co three column Bs. You have to do a column A, a column oh. B, and a column C. And to some extent, making a young person stretch uh, into places they aren't yet comfortable, of course, is a great thing but wow th then you have to try to find that line uh where between um what are useful what are useful stretches and what's a person's wheelhouse right and it, it's really challenging uh i used to play this game with getting kids ready for college um i say used to i guess i still do uh but if they're if they're being called talented, you know, if yeah. th they usually have a thing they do really well, and so we want to highlight that in their audition, and then every other requirement that is in areas in which they're poor, I always would pick the shortest, simplest repertoire that will fulfill the category. Right, because we need to. You, you got to sell what's fantastic. And the other stuff can show some promise, but absolutely. But I, I think it's great for a kid to come in, lead with a song that's their best thing, yes, and show some sort of self awareness, uh, whether it's been drummed into them <laughs> by right. the teachers or whatever. But you know, to so, so they get a, a an idea about that uniqueness that they're trying to build, like you're talking yeah, about, yeah, you know. Yeah. When you do what you do best, you you really need to do more of it. Yeah. Oh you know, gosh. You know, don't oh, don't yes. say it's not like a checklist where you say, okay, I'm a super duper belter, and uh, I sang, you know, Elton John's Aida in high school, and check that off the list. I don't ever have to do another modern pop belt number. Um, you know, don't have to work on it. It's not. It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like no. If you go deeper into it, you can overwhelm people with the incredibleness of your performance. <laughs> so I really try to, part of what I do is try to keep kids uh, aware of, of the stuff that they do well and, and uh, say, there's, there's the thing, that's the key, yeah. that's the basis for your presentation as an artist. And if we have to do this other stuff, let's, let's figure out how to make it manageable. Absolutely. Well, I mean, even in the opera world, there are requirements for repertoire for young artist programs, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's like, well, you've got to bring your Mozart aria. And it's like, well, what if you don't have a Mozart aria? Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, what would Marilyn Horn have sung? You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't a Mozart. Like, she didn't sing Mozart. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's that, too. I, I don't know what that's about. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. 
why opera companies would say, oh, you must sing X, Y, and Z or whatever, but you know, they have their reasons. But, uh, but to put all singers, well, you know what it is? Someone said once to me, uh, it's master of all trades. What is it? Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Where you, you learn all these things, but you're really not good at any of them. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like you mastered them, but you're not really good at any of them. Yeah. So that you're right. It's 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 finding that that place where you your voice and your spirit and your psychology is most happy. Yeah. And that may be in a different style of music. That could be a different way of singing. Who knows? But I think what what do we do? We have to expose people. Yeah. To as, to as much singing as they can hear. Absolutely, because that's that's where they acquire standards. Yeah, you acquire standards compare. by understanding your milieu. You know the the, right. the that world you aspire to. Yes. you really really need to understand receptively first before you go out and start putting out product. That, to me, that's our homework as yeah. artists. Yeah, is studying other artists. You know, um, I also don't believe in this idea of only looking in your own genre. I think I, oh, you, oh, yeah. you got to cross. You got to get out. You got to yeah. look at. You got to look at an amazing. Uh, jazz artist. You've mm-hmm. got to look at an amazing country artist. You've got to look at amazing pop artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. You can find inspiration any place. Yeah. But you have to be open to it. Yeah. You know, the, the ballet dancer can learn a lot from the cabaret tap dancer mm-hmm. in terms of line, form, phrasing, whatever. Um, it, you know, this is the Maria Callas quote, which is, you know, even the least talented pupil can teach you something you can't do. Yeah. So, Finding all different types of voices. What moves in on you? What kinds of sounds do you like? Mm-hmm. What kinds of musical compositions do you find yourself really drawn to? Mm-hmm. That's valuable information. Yeah. Because that's your unique individual identity. See, it's not what society says you should like. Mm-hmm. It's what you, what do you like? Mm-hmm. And then having the courage to be like, I like this and I'm going to do it. And that's where the courage comes in. Yeah. And when they're turned on to, to a genre or, or a repertoire or what, what have you, then then it's just so wonderful yeah. for me to guide them to yeah. the many 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 examples past and oh, present yeah. oh, that yeah. that led to this thing that they're aspiring Absolutely. to and it's like a buffet it's like yeah. you've never had this before oh my gosh wait until you try this oh yeah you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's fun for us i think for me as a teacher that's so much fun it's like yeah. oh my gosh you like this check this out yeah i've, I've had students go off and become huge fans of particular artists mm-hmm. just based on a on a playing something in a you in a lesson mm-hmm. and they just go oh my god that person changed my life i love them so much you know, oh, so, yeah. I listen to things with students sometimes, you know. Oh, yeah. Same. Oh, I same. say, oh, if you like that, let's check this out. I remember my little girl that I sent to uh, Indiana uh, just for a straight voice degree. Um, and I think, was it the, I forget if it was the Indiana audition or one of her other auditions, but but they invited someone to sing a musical theater um, piece as one of the set, even though it was a classical degree that, you know, they invited you to sing a musical theater. And so she took Smoke Gets In Your Eyes Oof. from Roberta. Now, if you try to introduce that to a seventh grader who is like just waking up to musical theater and really wants to be in in uh, Wicked or or heaven forbid Annie or whatever um, you know or, but yeah. but the thing is I mean that's an old square song if you find videos of it they're all on black yeah. and white it's a show that no one ever does but it's a totally enchanting song and mm. 
And when you hear uh, um, a master sing it, um, I remember playing for her. I forget what what more head dominant kind of lady we heard first. And then I showed her a Judy Garland recording of it oh. um, to, to hear very different voices in, in uh, different ranges, mm. you know, singing it. And um, I was thinking but, of Catherine Grayson. I told the one I remember from the Metro Golden Mare movies. Mm, she mm-hmm, sang it. Mm-hmm. Cat, she was sort of like Jeanette McDonald's uh, what, uh, granddaughter. Not, you know, but like after Jeanette McDonald was kind of over, they got Catherine Grayson and Mario uh-huh. Lanza in uh-huh. to do those movies. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a kid and you never heard opera and you saw the, the, you know, the Catherine Grayson films or the Mario Lanza movies. Oh, or, yeah. Oh my gosh, you'd be like, what is this singing? Oh my gosh, I've never heard this. Yeah. So movies can be great too for, for singing. Uh-huh. Like especially the old Metro Goldwyn Mayer movies and musicals because they're like, wow, that's so different. Because that's also where musical theater comes from too, you know? It's, oh, sure. It's big cross-pollinated. Uh, big part of the, of the movie scene in the 30s and 40s and even 50s. Yeah. Uh, Ann Miller, I mean, come on. Mm. Ann Miller, tap dancing, you come mm-hmm. on. It doesn't get better than that. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Glenn but, um, Verdon. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. Damn Yankees. The, oh, oh, yes. All yeah. those people. Just inc- yeah. absolutely incredible. Incredible yeah. testament. Because we didn't get a lot of those Broadway artists on film. Yeah. So we, But the ones that came to, to Hollywood to make movies, we did. So, you know, exposure to, uh, to arts. Ex- yeah. Go to the ballet. Go to the symphony. Go to see great films. You know, fill your, your, your well, right, mm-hmm. with, with wonderful content. And gosh, when these kids start to get let loose on YouTube, like they find some of these amazing things, yeah. whether, whether it's an indie pop artist or whether it's an old golden age soprano or whether it's fill in the blank, they develop amazing standards, you know, like, yes. like, cause, cause they will recognize trashy stuff pretty, pretty quickly <laughs> once they've heard a lot of really good stuff. Well, that's it. Like <laughs> if you tasted really good food or had really good wine or cheese, yeah. you're, you're not really want to go back and eat really slummy cheese. Again. Yeah. You're not ready for Velveeta and box. No. Wine. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that's, <laughs> and that's kind of, and that's the exposure of experience and taste. Yeah. So, you know, taste is built on experience, not just because you were born with it. It's yeah. being exposed to the best. And I think our singers, in our studios need to see and hear the best singing they can hear in whatever genre it is. I agree. You know, I, I have heard this really ridiculous, ridiculous argument before about, well, I don't demonstrate for students because, because it would be disheartening for them to, to see the gap between their ability and mine. You know, I've heard that kind of thing. Or, or the idea that young people and even the little ones uh, aren't ready to appreciate, you know, the master's of the art. I think it's bunk. I, oh, I do too. F- from the very beginning, if, if I have a beginner with me, I don't take really young ones anymore. Yeah. But, but whether they were 10 or 15 or 20, I'm, I'm going to expose them right away sure. to the best and explain what the standards are in the field mm-hmm. as I see them yeah. and invite them to, to develop their own. Why, why do you think this is great? What, what, what about it? Um, is exciting what moves you what cool stuff can they do with their voice you know get get them to to inquire and the young folks i know by young i mean all the young young people up through college right i mean their their eyes open quickly yeah if if you show your standard of curiosity (laughs) yes yes and our standards get better the more we we listen yep to other people yeah, I think because when you know you have been exposed to more good singing, 
I can tell you though, in terms of a demonstration, I think my, I, I used to be delighted when my teachers would demonstrate in lessons. Oh yeah. It was so much fun yeah. because, you know, uh, she, you know, two of my f biggest sort of teachers were women and one was a soprano and one was a dramatic mezzo. And man, they would sing these phrases and my hair would like part on my head because uh -huh. I would just be like, holy crap, they're really good. Uh -huh. And it was never like, oh, I suck. It was always like, this is awesome. You know, it was this sense of rightness of like, this is absolutely what I want to be doing with my life. Yeah. It's like being around these kinds of sounds and making awesome voice noises. So, yeah, for sure. But in terms of like um, subjective standards... No, mm -hmm. no, no. Excuse me. Ob objective standards. Oh, yeah. yeah. For singing. Mm -hmm. One of the, we had talked, we talked about this before, but one of the lists I always talk about with students in the mm -hmm. first or second lesson is this list that um, Jeannie Lavetri had come up with about measuring a professional voice, a singing voice, and so mm. what the standards are. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really effective because it puts things in objective territory. It doesn't put them into the realm of the subjective artistic territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, you know, the list is that, the, the singer should have at least two to two and a half octaves of range. Mm -hmm. That the rangier the voice is, the, the better it's probably, you know, working. Mm -hmm. um, the vibrato rate is unobtrusive and consistent. Mm -hmm. Unless unless it's an artistic choice to take it out. Mm -hmm. so, so that's, you know, that's number two. That the voice can go from quite loud to quite soft over most of the range. Mm -hmm. That it can swell and diminish. That the voice is recognizable and unique. I think that's a good measurement of a good functioning voice is recognizable, it's unique. I mean, hopefully in the good sense. Yeah. But that it also can stand up to stressors and pressures under certain circumstances. That it's clear and flexible and resonant as needed. Uh, uh, flexible and strong, that is. And that it produces undistorted or modified vowels without difficulty. That it can do what the singer wants it to do consistently and without struggle. Um, that it doesn't wear out during normal use, that it doesn't distort or go off pitch accidentally, mm -hmm. um, and it shouldn't be constricted unless it's done for stylistic reasons, and it isn't breathy, nasal, or noisy, except as intended. Yeah, so those are, and those would all fall into categories of functional standards. Absolutely. Which is a, a, a wonderful place to start for, yeah. uh, for evaluating vocalism. Yes, how much yeah. range is here? What's the vibrato? Yeah. What are the vowels like? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it puts it on it, it puts it on objective territory rather than subjective. Mm -hmm. And then like your like your saps, it gives you something to measure yourself against. Yeah. In other words, yeah. Your your voice is either clear and resonant and steady or it's not. Yeah. It's either flexible or it's not. It's either strong or it's not. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like, well, do I like it? You know what I mean? Or, or is it pretty? <laughs> right. Like that's, right. that's, okay. I mean, why would we, why, we, why would you go down this? Well, yeah. You know, um, so I, I appreciate all that because it also says that, yes, this thing, you should be able to do it, but you should also be able to not do it if the style demands. Yeah. And so again, there it opens up a pedagogical per path because then you say, okay, great. We want your voice to not be constricted, but we also need to know how to constrict it and then get it back to being not constricted again. There's that. Yeah, there's the, the violating the values sometimes. Right. Uh, and there's also the omission of values, like like um, uh, extreme resonance is not needed at all to sing, you know, 
Jazz. L and legally blonde. Yeah, or I mean, jazz, it, whatever. Yeah, and ja- yeah. So, so the, it, and it's not that that those singers have bad resonance. It's simply that yeah. it isn't a value. It's not needed. Right. It's right. not what right. it's about. Right. right. And uh, you it would know. be really weird to see singers form a jazz singer. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. How would you? You know what I mean? It's like you don't, it's not necessary. And also microphones. Hello. I've been working on a lot of uh, Irish songs lately, and. Um, Sort of the first big star, actually, of the phonograph era, uh, at least among tenors, was John McCormick. Oh, yeah. And he recorded a bunch of Irish stuff. And then I found a later record. Oh, I found uh, McCracken. Oh, yeah, James, James McCracken. McCracken singing one of these Irish songs. And it was, um, God bless him, he had a lot of ability in, in his area. But but the, the, this particular this particular Irish song was so overblown and pompous. Oh wow! It was it was really not great. And and if you judged him on that, you'd think, oh, what th- this is just a loudmouth. But then you hear McCracken in, you know, Otello. Otello. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like oh my god, it's like superb. Yeah. And uh, so so you know, carrying over values to to radically different repertoire. Um, is it can, can be can get you in trouble. It's also weird. Yeah, I, I they did that with John Denver, a John Denver recording once. They had all these classical singers who sang John Denver songs. Oh, that's right. That was that was bizarre. Yes. You know, if I if I, here's where I would say with my Miss Coco Peru uh, accent, that bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That bothers me. It bothers me. I'm in a mood. I'm in a mood. Because yeah. Because they, they don't they don't change. They're they're. Emission. They don't change the way they emit their voice mm-hmm. for the style. And I'm sorry, like I hear John Denver's music is very folk, very Americana, very man of the people mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're not singing about gods and you know Grecian mythology like an opera and stuff. Yeah, you it's pare it down. It, you know, it, there's it, you it's know. simple lyrics. It's yes. simple. I'm not, that's not to take away from its no. beauty and incredible artistry, but it's sonically simple too. You, yes. you you don't need to to enlarge the sound or or worry about harmonic richness. Yes. Uh, you know you. you I yeah. got to share this with you. You were talking about um, just a second ago. You were talking about uh, John McCormick. So mm-hmm. I had to share this quote with with you with from him. Um, I like the songs of simple melody and with simple harmonic construction. I mean, of course, the finer examples of such songs in which the melodic line had genuine beauty and the treatment is of proportionate value. I emphatically do not not mean trash. (laughs) (laughs) The songs like those of Stephen Foster are what I refer to and their beauties are unquestioned because they've endured and because they unfailingly arouse our sincere emotions. If a man or a woman does not happen to understand a Bach fugue, it does not follow that the man or woman has no perception of musical beauty. The musical potentiality may be there without having been cultivated. Give it food and light and air in the form of understandable songs sung in a language that the hearer knows. Ding, ding, ding. Uh Uh-huh. And the (laughs) hearer comes to appreciate and presently begins to acquire musical intelligence. But, and this is I hold to be vitally important, the song must be sung to the people in their own tongue and with an enunciation that makes every word understood. Well, and, uh, that, and that was before musical theater took off. And yes. now I, I posit that 
of the music for the stage that we have now, opera and any kind of musical theater. Musical theater touches people so much because you name it with the microphones or whatever it is. But we really, really, truly understand everything being sung. The gap is closed, Brian. And the communicate the communication gap is closed. Yeah, and it's always in English. I mean, you yeah. know, we don't go to Hamilton in Spanish, but if Hamilton's I mean, <laughs> you know, there, but there are musicals uh, sure. like Les Mis and and some others that if they're going to have big tours in Germany, yep. Austria, yep. Or whatever, they'll yep. do it in German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they don't. It, uh, it's no kind of slumming to change right. it to the local language. Um, Immediacy. Because the meaning is so important. Even the Disney movies are translated, Brian. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Those Disney musicals, they translate them in every language. Yeah. You know, they don't. I'm with you. I'm, you know, how do you, if you, if you baffle them with a language they don't speak, it's confusing. Yeah. I know we've talked about that before in a previous podcast. Yeah. But but, uh, yeah, just simple, simple songs, simple Mm -hmm. construction. There's something, you know, I, I, here's a story from the, uh, the archives. When I was teaching uh, at a college here in Massachusetts, uh, uh, students did their juries. And, of course, they, everybody comes in, they want to know, show what they can do, right? It's yeah. Like, you know, very much like, let me prove to you what I did all semester. Yeah. Right. Here's my belt voice. And you're just like, oh, yeah, go for it. You know? And the one student who came in who literally made me weep sang Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins mm. because of its simplicity. Wow. She wasn't trying to hide behind display or artificiality or any of that stuff. She was communicating the simplicity of that song. I mean, I wept. I was like, everything everyone else was doing was fireworks. And, you know, and I was like, wow, here is, here is something that is so not decadent and yeah. is so simple and is yeah. so, so moving. Simple is, is, can be very moving. It is moving. Yes. The more vague, the more vague something is, the more, it's hard. That's why I think modern opera struggles so terribly. It's so vague and and it's subject to influences of, of interpretation and it's 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 trying to get into that composer's sound world and you're like, Whoa, you know, how do you get in there? Um, it, there's a barrier to it. You know? Sure. I mean, yeah. the, whereas uh, I don't know. I think when the language is accessible, I think it's it's delightful. It's and simple and simple is so touching you know the music that people who are not let's say classical musicians mm-hmm. the, the music that tends to make people cry mm-hmm. tends to be the simpler compositions yeah when you think about so-called sad songs or yes. or deep songs or moving yes. songs or yes they yeah they they aren't they're they very aren't, close to the bone they're not intricate no they're not no impressive right 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 yeah the story is there yeah but you know, this is like bread, and I don't mean like food like you eat. I mean bread like the band from the 70s. Oh, uh-huh. They used to have the best cry songs, but they were <laughs> these like folk songs. There's a song that they sing about, um, uh, oh, there's a song about, I don't remember what it is, but it's like uh, he reads the diary, and he thinks it's about him, and he's like, oh, no, and then she, he finds out she loves somebody else, and oh, it's just a great, like, I, my lover left me song, mm-hmm. but it's so simple and so direct, mm-hmm. and um, so, yeah. I think we're we're going off in the weeds here, but <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the standards, Brian. Standards. We need to have standards. <laughs> yes, yes, and they can they they can be applied to really hard stuff, and they can be applied to really simple stuff. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. that's certainly a way to circle back because because yep. uh, you can have a standard for this adorable little eight year old coming in for her first lesson. Right. You can say, you, you know, there's 
there's uh, there's where you can plant the seeds of right. excellence by by the idea of standards and and standards administered in a a humane, kind, nurturing yeah. way. And the great standard that I think we have to remember is we're doing this to make music and to touch people's hearts. Yeah. And the emotional standard has to be there. The standard of the old Italians was to muovere gli effetti. Absolutely. Move the, to move the emotions. Yep. That's a standard, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to make people feel something. Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, make an audience have a feeling. Here's my last quote holding up here with, um, or closing up here with Herbert Witherspoon. You know my guy, Herbert. Mm-hmm. The object of art is expression. The essence of expression is imagination. The control of imagination is form. The medium for all three is technique. Hello, voice teachers. Hello, voice teachers. Expression. <laughs> Communication, right? Communicate, 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 communicate. Touch, touch, touch people, you know? Touch people's hearts. Great stuff. Yes. Good times. Good times, Brian. Good times. Good times. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for those Christmas confections from NPR slash SNL right. that will go nameless for now. Yes, we won't talk about those. All right. Well, cause, because I have moral standards, I won't yes, say what those Yes, we have standards are. for yeah. this podcast. Yeah. We don't want to get demonetized or like slapped <laughs> with parental advisory lyric thing, whatever it is. Okay. Well, right. later, guy. That's fun. Talk yep. to you soon. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on The Voice Culture Podcast. For more information, connect with us on our website, thevoiceculture.com.